told Ashley, the older I get, the blinder I get. And if I don't have light on it, I can't see it and I can't read it. And I don't have my sermon memorized enough to be able to just wing it. (laughs) But if you want, I can try. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You may be sorry. You never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do then. So, uh, I just before we get started, my name is Aaron Girdler. I said that already. Uh, I'm a mi- uh, Baptist missionary doing missionary work in the Methodist Church. <laughs> Not true at all. I'm a Baptist minister who's been converted to the Wesleyan way of seeing Jesus. And also, uh, when Pastor Jim was here, we had this thing going, and he was really bad at it, but I excel at it. So, I'm going to continue to keep doing that and show you my socks of the morning. Now, this year for Christmas, I got some really cool uh, library socks. I plan on wearing those on the 22nd, so come back and see those, see how my grandkids took care of me. Today, Neil is wearing his Sasquatch socks that the kids gave him, and I'm into dead presidents today. So today, say hello to George. Yeah? I also have Ben Franklin and Abraham Lincoln, And not quite a founding father, but still, John F. Kennedy. So, you never know what's going to show up, but I can guarantee you that I will probably never be in just plain white athletic socks. That just doesn't fit my heart. So, we're going to continue on from what Pastor David talked about last week. And his sermon was, okay, now what? And after Christmas and after the presents have been open and we've sung all the songs and the carols have been going on. What's next? Well, I'm going to continue with that theme in a sense in that I'm talking today about, okay, now why? We probably all know that Jesus came to save us from our sin, to give us eternal life, to help us live better lives. But did you know that Jesus came for so much more than that? The why of why Jesus came is big. You ever think about the word why? Have you ever gotten in a conversation with a toddler? And the why loop? That's what I call it, the why loop. Mom, where do turtles live? In the water. Why? Because God created them to live in the water. Why? Because he's so creative that he wanted cool animals to live in the ocean and interact with other animals. Why? Because it's good for the environment and it helps clean the ocean and we get to enjoy the earth even more because turtles live in the ocean. Why? Have you been through that? Uh I remember one conversation, I don't remember the exact words, if I brought my phone up here I could have told you, but one time my grandchildren were in the back seat of their mother's car, and they started peppering her with why questions. But why, Mom? Why? And so Lonnie Ray finally said, stop, why are you trying to drive, why are you driving me crazy? And Cruz says, because we love you so much. (laughs) Why? Why? But you know what? I'm a why person also. Why do things happen? I want an explanation behind why things happen. And so I think it's fair that we get to ask Jesus, why did he come? Because he prepared an answer for us long before we even thought about the question. 
We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 this morning, and Jesus answers the eternal question of why did he come? Not just, and this is huge, to come and live as a, as a man and then be crucified on the cross and be buried for three days and then be resurrected and uh, make a way for us to spend eternity with a holy and loving God. That's the big why. That's really important. But what difference does that make for me today? Why should, how does that impact? Why is that important for my life? Just, just trying to get through. This year was an interesting year. I got pneumonia for eight weeks in February. Got a little bit better. Hit allergies. Got a little bit better. Got pneumonia again in October. I haven't had pneumonia for 30 years, and now I've had it twice in the same year. Then two weeks after I got over my second bout of pneumonia, Neil and I went away. uh, Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. We went away to beautiful Waco for our 40th wedding anniversary. And we'd do it again in a heartbeat because our granddaughter was in a jiu-jitsu tournament. But for our 40th wedding anniversary, Neil gave me COVID. (laughs) You know, there's just... Who needs emeralds or diamonds or whatever, you know? Who needs a new iPad when you can get COVID and be sick in the same house together? And, and neither one of us are cooking. We're like, what do you want? I don't know. Did Amy Carroll leave you more deli snacks? Yeah, okay, you get that. I'll get soup. And then we crash and burn for some more time. But why did Jesus come? And if we look up uh, in Luke chapter 4, uh, Luke opens up with the telling of the story of um, the baptism of Jesus. And that's when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, Jesus and anointed him for good works and for power and said that God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then that's in chapter three. Then in chapter four, we see Jesus is put into the desert with the evil one for 40 days and he's tempted with no food, no water. And then Satan just kept trying to rattle him. And God, Jesus just kept answering him with scripture so that Satan eventually left the battle. And then after that, Jesus comes down to Galilee and goes into Nazareth, and Nazareth is home. So it would be like going down to Williamson County and entering into Cedar Park or into Leander. He's now home. He's, he's coming in, and he's coming into his home uh, synagogue. So in uh, the synagogue service, Jesus went to the synagogue service, And um, in the synagogue service, just to give you a little bit of history, just so you have an idea of what's going on here, the service is made up of a couple of different parts. Um, It usually included uh, the recitation of the Shema, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. These commandments I give to you are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children, etc., etc. That's the Shema. And then he... They would uh, recite benedictions. When we, th- when we think of the word benediction, we always think of, well, it's the end of the service. No, the people of Israel, the Jews, would just throw that in there as kind of a monkey wrench. You know, like, okay, we're going to have a benediction, but wait, there's more. <laughs> so there's more after the benediction. So they have the benedictions or blessings. Then they would read a psalm, and a priestly blessing would be given. For instance, number 6, 24 to 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. One of my favorite blessings in all of scripture. And I love the song too. Uh, Carrie Joe, is that who does it? Carrie Joe? Yeah, 
Carrie Jo. Uh, then there were prayers. So now we have more prayers, and these are when we bring our requests to the Lord. So we have the prayers. You bring your requests to God. And then we get another reading, which is the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or, or Deuteronomy. They wouldn't read all five books of the Torah or of the law in one sitting, although some might if they're really good. But. Um, and then finally, we get a reading from the prophets. And that's where we see Jesus come in and begin a teaching ministry in Nazareth. So this passage here, Luke 4, 16 to 21, is absolutely key to the book of Luke. Because it tells us why Jesus came. And it also tells us that uh, he was concerned for both spiritual restoration and physical needs. We often think that Jesus is just here to make us sin less and be better spiritually. And he came both for spiritual restoration and for our physical needs. So I'm going to pretend that we're back in the synagogue, and uh, they would read, they would stand for the reading of the word, and so I'm going to ask you to stand as I read the Gospel of Luke, verses 16 to 20. This is just a sign, a show of respect for the word of God. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled it, and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Then the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he, came, and he began by saying this, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. So I'm just going to go verse by verse through this because it's the best way to explain this passage, okay? I feel like I've lost weight over the holidays and my pants aren't staying up. So I apologize for continuing to pull them up, but it's kind of a happy problem to have. I mean, come on. I just went through Christmas and New Year's and my daughter-in-law's birthday and ate my way through and still managed to lose a few. So anyway, back to the word of God for the people of God. <laughs> he went to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up like I'm standing up to read the word of God, okay? Um, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and here's the key, folks, as was his custom. Is it your custom to come to the temple, to come to church on the Sabbath day? And I'm not talking you can't be online. Of course, this is part of our church. We understand why we still have people online, and we want you to join us online. But we also want you to join us in this building. And Jesus thought it was important enough that he would make sure that on his Sabbath day, he was either in his own synagogue or he was in a synagogue in the town in which he was visiting. That's a hard one for me. One thing I've noticed about the McMinns when they go on vacation 
they still go to church most of the time. I mean, they went down to New Orleans and they were in a really cool Catholic church and it was gorgeous and they had a great service. When I go on vacation, I think, oh, I don't have to go to church. Uh, sorry, Lord. I mean, I uh, didn't find one to go to ahead of time, so I'll just be watching the news and reading my iPad for a while here in the hotel room. <laughs> Try and make a habit of finding yourself in the church on the Sabbath. Then he took the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah, was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, the scrolls are is one long roll of parchment. And they're on probably poles, I guess. And they were either on papyrus or linen. They were written out. And they would roll together like this. So when the scroll was closed, you had two rolls of the book right here next to each other. Now, we don't know if Jesus chose Isaiah or if that's just happened to be where they were reading in their readings. He could have easily chosen it, but, but Luke isn't specific. It just says he was handled, handed excuse me, the scroll of Isaiah, and he then took it and unrolled it and found the place that he wanted to read from. So it was no mistake that he read from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. Let's walk through this. This is just verse 18. Uh, Jesus was anointed for this purpose, for this time, and for this place. And he was, came, first of all, to proclaim the good news, not just to those of us who have lots, but also to proclaim the good news to the poor. And, if, and in fact, he was anointed to especially bring the good news, which is Jesus Christ and salvation, to proclaim the good news to the disenfranchised, to the poor, to those that didn't have enough. Maybe financially they were extremely poor. Maybe they were very poor in spirit. But Jesus came to bring the good news, which is himself, to the poor. And the word poor here literally means downtrodden. It's, and downtrodden literally means for those who mourn. The good news is that Jesus came to meet our very real physical needs of poverty as well as our spiritual needs of spiritual poverty. For instance, are, are you poor in spirit? Do you ever get run down and think, I just can't do this anymore? I'm not talking about you're going to take your life, although certainly God came to intervene and save your life if you're poor in spirit to that degree. But do you ever just sometimes wake up in the morning and go, I'm tired. I can't go another day. It's the same rat race over and over again, and I'm not seeing my way clear to even meet my bills, much less excel in life. I'm tired. I need a touch. I need something. And Jesus says, I got you covered. He doesn't necessarily dump all the money in the world on you, but he dumps all of his love on you and into your heart and says, I have a solution for this. 
His work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead all proclaim that his love is big enough and his power is strong enough to be the good news in your pain. In the depths of discouragement of our souls, Jesus is there in our physical poverty and spiritual poverty, and he is there for us. And he has called all of us to join together in helping minister to those who are poor. That's why Fred continually brings to us the needs of Reveal Ministries. Because we can do something. We can do something to meet the needs of hungry people. And Jesus calls us to do something. Why did he come? He came to meet the needs of the poor. And he uses us to be the instruments. He also uses us, if you are feeling poor in spirit that you just can't go on another day, he uses the body of Christ to come alongside you and to minister to you. The best thing that happened to Job, I think, bar none, besides having Jesus say, stand here, I mean, God say, stand here and take it like a man. I'm going to unfold things to you which you have never seen or heard. And Job goes, <laughs> yeah, yes, God. The best thing that he has done is he brought those four friends, those three friends, into his, Job's life. And when they were far off, they saw Job sitting in the dirt, torn and scraping boils off of his body with pottery shards. And they came up and they joined him and they ripped their clothes and they sat in the dirt and they threw dirt on themselves and they sat silently with him. I can't remember if it was for one week or two weeks, but it was more than just 15 minutes, which is about when I would crack to be silent. You know, it's tough. Okay? We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but even more importantly, in, in my opinion, is we've come to be the heart of Jesus. Using our hands and feet to minister the heart of Jesus in our world. Next he said that he came to uh, proclaim freedom for prisoners. Again, this is both a physical and a spiritual reality. Remember Pastor Jim talking about prison ministries. One story I always will remember is that one prisoner saying to him who was in prison for life for murder, and he said, the best thing that ever happened to me was going to prison because I found Jesus here and I've never been more free in all of my life. That's the kind of love and power that Jesus has, and that's why he came to set the prisoners free. But he also came for our spiritual needs. So what are you a prisoner of? What holds you back? Uh, he came to save you, to heal you from the prison of your addictions. He came to save you and heal you from the prison of your needs to strive and to be number one and to make more money because that's the only way you can find your identity. He came to free you from the prison of your own thoughts swirling around and telling you that you're a horrible person or that you'll never amount to much. Or maybe you had those messages put in your brain when you were a kid and you had to overcome some really hard things in order to figure out what's what. Jesus came to overcome those things. He came to set us free. He came to set us from that vicious cycle when we're trapped in sin. You know those secret sins that we swear we can never tell anybody because it's too shameful. 
I have great news for you today. It's not too shameful for Jesus. It's just not too shameful for Jesus. I know because I have shameful sin in my life. I mean, I've had it. I'm not walking around in shameful sin necessarily right now. But I can tell you I still struggle with addiction, prescription medication addiction. I've known Jesus since March 11th, 1978. And in that entire time that I've been walking with Jesus, I have struggled with medication addiction. And I thought it was the most shameful thing in the world until I finally heard Jesus tell me, it's one thing to struggle, it's another thing to abuse. It's one thing to want to do this, and it's another thing to do this. And I can break you out of this cycle. And he's done miraculous work in my life. Do I still struggle with addiction? Did so this morning, had to take a minute and sit on the couch and say, Aaron, you can preach a sermon without medication. Which, by the way, I don't use medication to preach sermons. This is not a new thing for me, okay? But that's just the evil one coming in and saying, Aaron, you can't do this. You don't have enough seminary. You don't know what you're doing. And Jesus says, no, maybe not, but I know what I'm doing. And I put a word in her heart, and I'm going to have her deliver it to you today. He came to set the prisoners free. The third one, I love this one, it it says he came for the recovery of sight for the blind. And he literally means that. If you're blind, he wants to heal you. Your physical sight. If you're crippled, he wants to heal you. If you're battling cancer, he wants to heal you. Okay? He came to give sight to the blind. He came to give healing to all of us. Sometimes, and this is where you just walk with Jesus and learn to trust, kind of like with my addiction. I still have it, but I don't abuse it, but it's still there, and I'm learning grace upon grace upon grace from God every single day that his strength and his grace is sufficient for me in the middle of this. And it's the same thing. I read an article, I think it was in Apple News, of all things. No, it was on Facebook News. It was on Facebook News about Randy Alcorn, whose wife, uh, he's the guy who's written all the books on heaven. And he wrote this article. His wife uh, passed away in March of 2022 after a four-year battle with colon cancer. And she said, I believe, how do you get to this point? I believe that my cancer is a grace given to me by God in order that I may know his grace and his power and his mercy and his love. I'm like, I don't want that kind of grace, God. I'm just saying that right now. But can you imagine, you're in the middle of this fight, and instead of screaming and yelling at God to take it away, you go, whoa, I see your glory in this God. And he sets you free from the cancer. He heals you from the cancer, even if your physical body is not completely healed. I didn't ask my daughter-in-law permission to do this, but I'm going to brag on her a minute. She's a special education teacher, works down in Lake Travis, and she works with the blind and visually impaired. 
And her entire job, maybe not entire, but a big part of it, is to help the blind and visually impaired be able to live in a sighted world. So that their lives are just as rich and full as our lives. I believe God has anointed Lonnie for this work. She helps the blind to see without necessarily having their sight restored. And God uses all kinds of people in our lives and all kinds of things in our lives to help us to be able to see. And we might still not be able to physically see. We might still be a little bit blind about what's going on. His love is able to meet you in the midst of disease and cancer, uh, in the death of your child. Neil and I have experienced that. Um, when my parents died, my father died on March 1st, 2019. My mom died on July 13th, 2019. And then my last remaining uncle died on August 4th, 2019. Neil and I hadn't even been in this church for a year yet. I mean, we came in December of 2018, and then we came into the church, and we, I was broken. And Neil was broken because he's trying to figure out how to help me and how to love me. And my family was there for me. I mean, they were just marvelous. But you know what really helped me? Rockbridge Church. Y'all came alongside me. You welcomed me into your homes. You invited us into your small groups. You invited us, thank you, Cindy Perdoe, into women's Bible study. Jesus wanted to bring healing to my deep mourning, and he uses the body to do that. So not only is it a miraculous work of Jesus in my life, it's a miraculous work of how he used the body of Christ to minister to me to help give sight to the blind, to help give sight to the blind. We join with Jesus for both physical and spiritual needs to be met. Then, uh, oh, and by the way, if you want a really good series on grief, really good sermon on grief, go back to mid-October and listen to Pastor David's sermon. One of the best sermons on grief I've ever heard. It was called Enough Grief. One of the most... Really, truly powerful sermons I've heard. Then he says, the fourth thing is, is that he came to release the oppressed, to literally set the oppressed free. He came to release the oppressed. He came to set us free. What would you do to be truly free? Could you imagine? What would you do to be able to finally have that anger that you have had built up inside of you against your mother for your entire life and have Jesus reach in there and heal you. Not that, hey, nothing happened. Everything's yippy-skippy. It's all good now. No, he comes by, at least for me, he came by and he said, here's where I was in that situation. Here's where I was in this situation. And so I finally got to the point where I was able to forgive my mom, even though she never asked for it. Forgiveness, holding on to anger, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I quit drinking the poison, and I set it aside. 
But that's only because of the power of Christ in me. I couldn't do that on my own. I would still hate my mother with a passion that y'all would be ashamed of, except for what God did in me. He literally came to release the oppressed. For instance, our track record in this country on dealing with minority folk, and that's probably just about anybody who isn't Caucasian. We have a horrible track record in this country, and we still kind of keep practicing it. And I don't want us to get into a big old thing about anything, but just to say, we've oppressed people. I've oppressed people by thinking they were, you know, they're kind of weird. That street person makes me nervous, so I don't want to go near them. And God says, whoa, I came and brought you to be the hands and feet of me in their lives and to minister to them. And they're oppressed. So I don't want to just save you and the oppression on your soul. I want you to take that newly released soul and go minister to the people who are oppressed, who have less than you, who are put down because of what they look like or what they have or what they don't have. He came to bring release for the oppressed. And then in verse 19, as we wrap up here, He says, he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, just so you know, with Christ, we are now in the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, I'm not talking about a 12-month year, but it's this kind of time frame, at least from everything that I've read in the last, say, two or three weeks, that this is the time of the Lord's favor, because Jesus came. He came. Every year at Christmas, I get all choked up, and I say, he came. He came. The God of the universe came for me. He came for you. There will be a time when God's judgment will come to pass. And in fact, Isaiah 61, 2, the second part of the verse says, and also to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. We are not in the day of vengeance. Even though bad things are going on, this is not the day of the vengeance of the Lord. The day of the vengeance of the Lord is when he comes back. And he wipes out all the evil, and he creates the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus didn't want the people of Israel to focus on that. He wanted them to focus on, this is the year of Jubilee, and it's going to last a while, and I am going to do a new thing in you. And the reason I came was to restore you to a relationship with me so that you could then use that restored relationship with me to make a difference in someone else's life to take the good news and preach it to the incarcerated. Here's what I found. (laughs) Here's what I found. What did Siri find? Oh, one source for good news for 20 years. Okay, sorry. That's pretty embarrassing. I even turned the alarm off so nothing would beep on me. (laughs) Okay, maybe that's my cue that I'm getting too excited. I need to dial it back just a bit. But Jesus came to restore a relationship with us, the year of Jubilee, so that he could then equip us to go into the world to restore the year of Jubilee for the lost. I got a a missionary letter from a friend of mine named Kevin McGee. He and his wife are in Portugal right now leading a leadership seminar, and they're working with uh, Jews who worship the Messiah 
and how to make inroads into restoring Jews to the, to the Messiah. They also work with the deaf. Their main ministry is getting a copy of the Bible into the hands of every deaf person in the world so that they can hear the Bible in their own language. And they're doing incredible things. In fact, I believe now you can go online and you can get the Bible in ASL, and it's free download, and it's signing of the entire Bible. It's video of the entire Bible being signed out for you. But anyway, he said, Good morning from Portugal, where we are leading our conference. Did you know that yesterday 70,000 people died who did not have an opportunity to even hear about Jesus Christ. And I thought, oh, Aaron, you've got to start proclaiming the, the day of the Lord's favor. It's, it's time. It's time to know why Jesus came and why we get to follow in his footsteps. Then finally, he took up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and it says that he sat down. Now, I, I really, really, really wanted to teach this sermon from sitting right here. But I've had two replaced knees and arthritis, and it just wasn't an option. So here's my version of sitting. Because rabbis did not teach the word as one who lords it over somebody else but as one who drew disciples up to their feet and taught them, was with them, and taught them. So Jesus sits down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, this is what he taught them, today, this scripture in Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. I proclaim to you that today this scripture is fulfilled within your hearing through Jesus Christ. That's why he came. He came to set the, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. He came to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind and to literally release the oppressed and set them free. And he's done that in our presence. We're about to enter into communion. And before we do, I just want to read these words. It's from an Advent hymn. I love Advent hymns, so I'm just stretching it out just a little bit. I don't like the tune of this Advent hymn. Lisa and I tried listening to it on Thursday, and we both agreed I should just read it and not play it. <laughs> um, but it's by, uh, it's called Into the Light. And it's by Emmaus Road Worship. All who are weary, all who are weak, all those who come with no words left to speak, come let the sun wash the dust from your feet, come into the light. All who are mourning, all who have pain, all those who come who are burdened with shame, Come let the sun take the weight of your chains. Come into the light. Ours is the God of the lost and the broken. His is the home with doors flung wide open. 
Ours is the Savior who welcomes us in. Come into the light. The word of God.